Hello and welcome to the Wonder Women podcast. My name is Katie Freeman and I'm your host. Every Wednesday and Friday, I bring you an interview of a female or non-binary maker, uh, maker of all kinds from all over the world. And today's guest is Camille of Remodel Your Life podcast in addition to so, so much more. Camille really has a background in construction, which took her into uh, designing, redesigning, building out kitchens, and then getting into teaching and just really so, so much that I know I'm not going to do her justice. I will warn you, though, especially if you're listening to the podcast with littles around, today's language gets salty in a few spots. So uh, if that is something that you don't want your littles to hear, just know that this is when you'll want to come back to. It is definitely a must listen. Uh, Just know that that's out there. All right, before we hop into the episode, though, with Camille, I want to give a big shout out and thanks to the patrons over on Patreon. So thank you so much, Kevin, Lefty's Woodshop, Christy, Twisted Twine, Christina B., Jeremy Spies, Sammy, Go Sammy Lee, Sven, Dwarf Size Workshop, Rachel, Moody Makes, Bonnie, Toolmom, Bonnie, ToolmomStore.com, Laura, Oakley Soap Company, Mary Lou, Made by Mary Lou, Amy, Bison Valley Carving, Dan and Kelly Reclaim Living Store, Brandy Studio Obey, Kathy One Girl and Her Tools, Ellen Little Bear Furniture, and Ethan Ethan Carter Designs. Thank you also very much for your ongoing and continued support, helping me to produce two podcast episodes a week, every week. And with no further ado, here is Camille. I have my guests introduce themselves. So when you're ready, you can go okay. ahead and do that. Hey guys, I'm Camille Finan, and um, I'm a cabinet, kitchen cabinet maker, you know, slash woodworker for many years. And um, I have a podcast called Remodel Your Life that helps women uh, learn about all the different amazing women around the world who do um, woodworking or skilled crafts. And um, I also sort of help women on the back end with, you know, building their own little courses or improving their own woodworking businesses. Awesome. That is a lot of stuff to do uh, for one person yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. not all uh, at the same time all, right um all right well I want to know your your story so let's start at like you know beginning kind of childhood and and oh, where, all the way back all the way back how how you got to like where you are today mm. well, that's 51 years so that's, that might take a while <laughs> I don't know what the timing is here but um well, so I'm Northern California born. I'm a Norwegian from Minnesota, but my parents came here and basically had me uh, within almost the first like seven months. My mom was pregnant. So um, 100% Norwegian, both sides of my family. And um, 
when I did ancestry, it literally was like 0.000001 something else. <laughs> like, they said they've never found someone with nothing else in it. Uh, so um, anyway, so I, so my parents are, you know, from Nor Norway eventually, then Minnesota, then California, which was a big difference in culturally. And so I was born in the, you know, the seventies and grew up in Northern California and um, ran around, you know, chasing my dad, who was a contractor and a cabinet maker. And uh, he was basically our babysitter. So we were, you know, in dresses on job sites when we were, you know, three years old. And uh, so that was my first baby job was sweeping up sawdust, literally. <laughs> and, uh, you know, opening beer cans for my dad, because that was the 70s. Um, so then uh, my dad left in high school and uh, remarried a different person. And so that was kind of traumatic for many years. And so I didn't really do anything. Um, I had grown up sort of doing building with him and crafts and I think I did my first like little candlestick, like wood turning candlestick when I was like seven and, um, and uh, sold them to the little local craft store, like little home furnishing store. I don't even know how that happened, but I'm pretty sure my dad was 90% of that. Um, so you could technically say I started my first baby business then. And then uh, in high school, didn't do well in high school because, you know, I was grieving my dad leaving. So I kind of basically tanked and didn't do well in school. And so didn't really know what I was going to do after high school because my grades were crap. And um, so kind of had to work my way back up from there and go to community college. Took a long time, but eventually I got good at school and got, got into college and thought I was going to do business development mm -hmm. stuff and because I liked making money in business. And so graduated with two bachelors and an MBA. So I know that's a big difference, but um, it was a long time coming. I think it was about 13 years. And uh, so when people say like they went to college for four years and for five and it took a long time, I'm like, no, I took a long time <laughs> going to college. <laughs> and uh, so I did that and was really successful at it, but still kind of um, not really very creatively fulfilled. And I was making a lot of money and I was helping students and stuff. You know, I by then I was a, they'd asked me to be a teacher. So I kind of went from college to teaching like basically immediately and was teaching business courses and which basically just means lots and lots of business plans is basically what you do and I did that for a couple of years and just really burnt out on it and kind of kind of had like a nervous breakdown not like a full nervous breakdown but I I just really really burnt out and um, that was my first bout with depression and so I was you know suicidal and that's when I sort of learned that you can really push yourself to a limit instead of mm -hmm. noticing the signs. And so that's when I basically gave all of that up, which seems crazy. I, <laughs> I let go all of that stuff. I shut down that business. I got rid of all my clients. I, I stopped teaching. Uh, I basically just gave up all of that and just floundered for like a year, basically just whining and complaining and um, <laughs> you know, being mad at the world and not sure what I'm going to do. And, um, in the background, I was with that business because it made money. I was taking that money and remodeling houses. Mm. And that was my mental break, right? That was probably the only thing that really got me through was that I bought my first house at 18 and I had remodeled it. It was just a shit house. So don't think anybody, it was very expensive house. It was not, <laughs> it was a cracked in that like I bought on a foreclosure 
Um, I think I paid like $63,000 for it with a little mortgage. I mean, um, I think my mortgage was $200 a month or something, but I remodeled it and I sold it to the neighbor in the same little crappy neighborhood. (laughs) And and so I love that though. I really love that. And so I took that little bit of money and I rolled it over into um, a couple of other properties. And so in the background with that business development sort of degree, I was basically doing carpentry, right? I was doing the stuff that I'd done with my dad. And so it really, it healed a lot of stuff for me. It really made me feel like closer to him because I hadn't seen him in like 15 years. So that process is really what saved me. I, I say carpentry saved my life because it literally did. Like, I don't think I would be here if I, if I hadn't had that, um, if I hadn't had that resource or salve or whatever you mm-hmm. want to call it, like to go to, um, when I shut down all the other stuff, I don't, I don't know what I would have done, honestly. <clears throat> so as you can tell, it still makes me emotional. Mm-hmm. Um, so I did, so that was sort of the little spark for me. And once I did that, I, I decided, well, maybe I could do this as a real job and everybody, you know, everybody thought I was nuts, right? Cause I had all these <laughs> other things I had been working for, for so long. And I think a lot of us can relate to that. We've had other careers or things we've put a lot of time and money into or energy and we just want something else, right? It's just not working. So that took, that took a long time for me to really face the fact that I was never going to be happy with um, sitting behind a desk, right? I just, that was just never going to do it for me. And so, um, so that my next step was kind of another ridiculous thing to do, but I didn't really know how to break into the industry, right? I didn't have any connections. I didn't know my dad then, you know, we weren't close. Um, I didn't have friends or a brother or anybody to get into it. I was tiny. I was you know, half the size I am now because um, I'm more, you know, I'm chubbier than I was then. I was <laughs> tiny. I was like five foot three, you know, 95 pounds. I looked 12. <laughs> I looked so young. And um, so I just decided to um, break sort of my biggest fear and just walk onto a job site and ask for a job. And so that was sort of what I did. And it was like a hundred degrees. It gets very hot here. It was, you know, just a bunch of Mexican guys working on the job site. Nobody spoke English. It was like probably the worst job to walk into, but this foreman was white. He spoke English and he had me digging ditches the very next morning. And that I got through that first day, you know, sweaty and tired and hot and miserable, but I was like the happiest I'd ever been. Like when I went home that night, I was just, I slept and it kind of cured my depression. Like it just, from then on, it was just, I got better and better. And then I eventually joined the carpenters union and improved my skills. And then in the union, I kind of found kitchens. I sort of Mm -hmm. found cabinet making. I found fine finishes. I found spray booths and granite fabrication, basically all the little steps of a kitchen. And so I ended up just gravitating towards kitchens because it's kind of like a little world, right? You get to do, mm-hmm. there's like 15 different trades in one room. <laughs> and I like a lot of variety. So it, it kind of let me do a lot of different kinds of things in one room, right? So that's sort of very long roundabout way to <laughs> kitchens. Uh-huh. And and then I built from there. I, I had planned to actually stay in the union or work for a contractor. I would have probably been happy doing that. Um, but I kept finding myself getting held back, right? Mm-hmm. I would get to 
I would work for seven or eight months or nine months or, you know, a year was a long time. And you're doing a lot of work. Like you Mm -hmm. learn a lot in a year. Right. And I found that they were, I was kept getting passed over. They kept Mm -hmm. giving the jobs to the other guys who had come in way, you know, had way less experience and I was doing the work and that just kept happening. So I kind of kept moving and moving and moving. And every time I would hit like a roadblock, I would just find another company and I would take what I knew and I'd skip over to another company. And this is in the union, right? Because you can, Mm -hmm. you have to find your own work in the union. Mm -hmm. And, um, and then eventually I got to where I knew all the pieces. Like I, there was no reason for me to stay there, you know, at 37 an hour or whatever it was I was making Mm -hmm. as a journeyman. Um, when, I, I knew I could do better because of my business background. I knew, I knew, I knew the potential for kitchens, right. In, in California where I live. Mm-hmm. So I, I left that and started my own kitchen modeling company. So then that's what I did for 25 years. So, awesome. and it feels like those things overlap because I was doing a lot of those things simultaneously. Right. Which I know. So <laughs> I told you it was a long answer. That's okay. That's okay. Um, and first, I want to go back and just touch on, I don't, I know you're not alone in the sense of like creating with your hands and that like creative side, like yeah. literally saved your life. Cause I'm very much in the same, same boat. Um, I got, I had really bad postpartum depression after mm-hmm. my second was born. And so it was a matter of like, starting to make in order to like get past that and to find myself again like that was so and and I still say I'm very grumpy if I don't get into the shop for a while (laughs) like I am very grumpy person to be around (laughs) yeah Yeah, I so now I'm retired right which we haven't touched on but I still I still do stuff all the time like I did a kitchen last week and but if I if I go about two weeks and I haven't done anything um, like this weekend I I built rebuilt my fence right <laughs> and the neighbors are like what's going on are you doing that whole thing by yourself and I was like yeah yes I need this I need this like they're like wow we had like eight Mexican guys out doing this whole job <laughs> right before and I'm like no no I want to do all the pieces. So, mm-hmm. so I'm the same way. I just have that like itch that has to be scratched for me. Yeah, exactly. Um, so I do want to spend a little time talking about too, like, and you kind of hit on it a little bit. Like I would assume you were frequently the only female on mm-hmm. the job site. I was always the only female. Yeah. I'm not sure how old you are, but 51, um, there was no Instagram. There was no Facebook. There was barely in the internet, right? There was AOL. Okay. <laughs> there was dial-up. Mm-hmm. Um, there was no way to connect with other women. Like they're just, I mean, I'm, I know there are women that went to conferences and stuff like that, but for many of us that just did nothing but work, like I couldn't get time off. I didn't, I couldn't afford to go to those things. Um, you know, there just, there was no, unless you just randomly ran across some girl like at a job site, which I mean, literally years went by. I never saw another girl doing anything Mm -hmm. much less cabinet making much less. I mean, that came way later, you know, towards the end of that, of that career was sort of, you know, I heard, you know, I, Oh, I heard, I think there's some girl that maybe 
down south, I think she kind of does what you do, but I'm not really sure, right? Mm-hmm. So I never actually met anybody my whole life. <laughs> so, <laughs> so um, yeah, we were ve- we were far, far, far and few between. I think when I went through my apprenticeship training, there was three of us in the in the uh, that training course of you know mm-hmm. whatever thirty people, and I was the only one that made it. Uh, one girl shot herself with a nail gun. The other girl cracked because of, um, you know, she just couldn't take the comments and stuff. And um, I just didn't give a fuck. Like, I just was like, whatever, like, I'm here to make money. I, it's, just, it's not personal. Right. Mm-hmm. So um, yeah, I just, it's, it's a very, it was a very lonely career in that sense. Um, luckily, you know, I was able to, I don't know if it was just intuition or, just my sheer stubbornness, but I just, I always made it a point to find a guy that was an ally on the job site, like as soon as I could. And typically that was like the most experienced person, which kind of worked out because that's the guy I wanted to hang out next to anyways. I didn't want to hang out next to the guys that were idiots that didn't know anything that were stupid. They were just mm-hmm. like, well, you know, there's plenty of people like that, that are just kind of, I mean, they're barely pushing the broom, like barely pushing that broom. Right. So I gravitated towards the people that were really excellent at what they did. And those guys were very kind to me and they took really good care of me. So they, they definitely protected me and they looked out for me and they gave me jobs and they, you know, they really helped build my career. Do you think it was a fact of like experience could see experience or talent and so it was like you gained respect because you could yeah, show up. I think you're, right. I think it's what you bring to the job. Honestly, I think nobody wants to spend their time or energy myself included, right. On someone that you don't think is going to actually do anything with it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, right. Cause you have lots of apprentices, right. There's hundreds of apprentices. They've seen it all before and they want to pass on their knowledge. If they're generous people, they want to share their knowledge with someone that's going to appreciate it and do something with it that really you know likes it so I think the people that I saw that I see struggle in the trades are not very um they don't come across as very ambitious honestly Mm -hmm. they kind of expect things to happen for them and which I know might sound harsh but most of the times what I've seen is if you show up and you really you you look like you really want to help and do stuff even if even when there's cases I didn't know anything about what was going on but I was ambitious, right? I was mm-hmm. actively trying to do, to learn. And typically those people will get snatched up faster and they'll be prod under somebody's wing um, because you're kind of doing your half of the equation, right? You're not just like, Hey, I'm here. Everybody do, you know, help me be right. better. Like, so I see, I saw a lot of that. I still see that. I mean, I still go and do trainings of the union and I, I can just look at a group of 20 women and I can just tell right away the two women that are going to make it. Like, honestly, and it's not that they're not all nice or that they're, they couldn't all do it eventually. It's just the trades have a way of filtering people out really quickly. And that includes men too, right? Like the guy that's barely pushing the broom is going to still be barely pushing that broom 20 years later. He's mm-hmm. not going to move up and, and continue making more money or getting more skills, right? It's a lot of it is predicated on what he's doing. tell you a little bit about today's episode's sponsor, Athena Outfitters. So when I'm in the market for a new pair of work boots, I do a ton of research 
make sure I'm getting something that's going to fit right and going to last. Well, Athena Outfitters is a quality workwear brand for hardworking women that has a tons of experience with footwear. They've taken the time to select the very best shoes and boots made by each of the most reliable footwear brands. And when I shop at Athena Outfitters site, it saves me time and energy because I trust that they found the best shoes for every job and activity. Plus bonus, you can shop online. So next time you need new work boots or some other type of high performance shoe, check out AthenaOutfitters.com, uh, Gear with Grit, and Athena is A-T-H-E-N-A, -E and then Outfitters.com. You can also get a special discount at checkout by using the coupon code MM, that's capital M, capital M15 for 15% off any purchase just because you're a listener of the podcast. All right, let's hop back into the episode. Do you, if you're teaching uh, with the, at the union, if you're working with like a group of women, I mean... Are you giving them a dose of reality of like, in addition to outside of like the technical skills, mm -hmm. right? There's just more <laughs> that I would imagine uh, being that I've been in groups of men too, that you just have to. I try. Put up I, with, a, I guess. <laughs> yeah, it's a really touchy so subject. I think the trades are, the trades are changing a lot right now. Um, you know, and so my, I wouldn't say I'm battles. I mean, I'm not 80, right? I'm, I mean, I'm young enough to be able to see how, yes, yeah, certain things just shouldn't be the way they are. But I'm also old enough to know the reality that you win better by just being successful. Mm -hmm. And so again, that may not be a popular opinion. I know a lot of women really want things to just be a certain way and be 100% everything is always going to work out perfectly, but I'm just a very much a realist because I was mm -hmm. in it for a long time. And I sort of know, I know that how far the other side of the coin is with men, right? And some men, you're just never going to change their mind. Mm -hmm. And the only thing they respect is success and talent. So the better, faster, you can just be your own self and be really good at your job and just kind of don't give a fuck about the rest of it. They'll just take that and then they'll leave you alone. Like, honestly, that's, that's so much of it. Mm -hmm. But, um, and I don't mean like actual real harm and actual real things that are happening. Obviously there's laws for that. I'm hundred percent for that. Mm -hmm. But a lot of it is really, a lot of it is attitude and energy that I see women. They're just not prepared to, they don't, you kind of have to just build a little bit of a tough, not a, you don't have to be an asshole, but you, you just have to build a let stuff not bother you. And there's lots of careers like that, right? Like mm -hmm. it's not just construction. No. So yeah. that's, that's probably not a very popular opinion, but I'm all about just moving up and I want women to be in positions of power and be the person mm -hmm. in charge. And the only way you get to do that is you've got to get there. Right. right? You gotta, <laughs> you gotta, that's why, and that's why I ended up owning my own company and employing 14 women in my cabinet shop, mm -hmm. because that has more power than me trying to change some little law on a job site that's going to do what like it's you know like just right I mean you get yeah, successful like I, and then you can make that change that you, you can make wanted to see yourself. yeah yeah exactly so that's sort of the take I took um I also just 
recognize that it's a game that you sort of just have to play like lots of, you know, if you're a chef, you have to act like other chefs. If you want to mm-hmm. be a race car driver, like there's just sort of a culture of certain things and you just, you have to fit in on some level. Right. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's some of it that I think a lot of women just miss that there's a cu- culture of construction in like every job, right? If you're a secretary, there's a culture there too. You don't walk in with beer can and your boots up on the table and right that would look right. weird in a secretarial pool right so some of it is just that <laughs> so right. I don't know it's probably not a very popular opinion but um it's just it's my opinion of what I've yeah. seen work with other yeah. women and all the women that I know that have been very successful many of them are just they're the same way they're just like look it's just a game it's just a culture just do your thing be good at your thing keep moving on don't let it bother you you know unless mm-hmm. it's real aggressive and there's things you can do with that like mostly it's just you just talk back like right that's the thing you can't be a pansy in the industry that's for sure yeah yeah well you can but you're gonna have a hard time (laughs) right right um and I would I would go out on a limb and almost say though too like to some degree I feel like you probably came to this opinion because you didn't you you didn't have any like allyship sisterhood to to even look to in the industry yeah and that's true like if there had been a couple of other women on the job it might have been different but it's really I know it's 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 interesting to think if I'd had that what I would have done differently and I, I just think there's a range of things that can happen on a job you know there's there's real harm real somebody holding you back, really somebody really fucking with you. I'm a hundred percent against that. And that's why you want to have allies on the job site so that Mm -hmm. you that are, that are men, not just women. Right. right? But then there's just a lot that's sort of just that chronic grade, like picking away at you. Like, yeah. And I see a lot of women just fall for that. Like they just, Mm -hmm. they can't deal with that. And so that's kind of what I'm talking about. It's just like, I try to help the women understand like, look, you just got to be a little tougher. It's not something that we're kind of taught as girls, right? right? To be. But if you want to be a race car driver, I guarantee you, you're going to have to like be tough. <laughs> and yeah. you're going to have to fit into that culture. Right. The whole culture is not going to change for you, right? Yeah. It does a little bit, but it's, you just got to be smart yeah. about it. There's I mean, a there's, there's only 3% women still on job sites. Like, yeah. If we want to have massive amounts of women on job sites, like, we're just going to have to kind of be a little bit tougher emotionally and just not let stuff bother us as much and just mm-hmm. get good at our jobs. And then it really, that stuff really falls away a lot. What was, so your experience in the industry versus your own business and having 14 women in the cabinet shop, yeah. like what was the different Magic. culture there? <laughs> what was? <laughs> oh man, it was so fun. It's still like <laughs> the best time of my life. Um, Yeah. So I created my own culture where, but there was still like, I would say there's still a toughness there because the job is fucking hard. Like (laughs) it's hard to build, you know, at our, at our top, we were building 30 kitchens a month. That's a lot of work and, and mental stamina, like mental, emotional stamina to make that Mm -hmm. happen. Lots of clients, lots of systems, lots of things happening, just physically, mentally, psychologically, there's a lot going on to make that Mm -hmm. happen. And you have to be tough to do that. So I, I had the same thing. Like there was women that just couldn't handle the, the, the lifestyle, the culture of that, you know, but we were, 
had so much fun. I mean, we just had so much fun. All the women there were tough as far as like just getting the job done, really enjoyed their work. They loved learning, um, curious, you know, loved cross training, like kind of not stuck in one thing. Even though we all had things that were like, I was really good with finish work. Other girls were better with building cabinets. Other girls were better with rough stuff. Like, so yeah, the culture was kind of, you could creative. Nobody got held back. Like the, the more you wanted to move up, the more you could. We had, we, um, I did something that was kind of unusual where I created kind of everybody that worked there was sort of responsible for sales. I don't know if that makes (coughs) sense, but because my background was business and marketing, Mm -hmm. I I knew I wanted to do the cabinet shop in a different way than other shops that I had worked in. Mm -hmm. You typically don't make that much money. Right. And, um, because they're run by just, you know, old white fat guys that don't necessarily know that much about business, right? right. <laughs> like it's true. All the people, all of my competition, that's who they were. And they do stuff very old school. You know, they're, they're not interested in marketing, really. They, they barely even like their clients, right? They just want to be in the shop all the time. Like right. it's a very, it was a very traditional kind of person I was going against. Mm-hmm. And, you know, from their standpoint, all they did was talk shit about us and like, the girls can't build and their stuff is better like that was their marketing right. strategy okay <laughs> right it's just that we're better than them <laughs> yeah and even though we're all doing it the same way right like that the cabinet's basically been the same for a long time right, right. and um, the finishes and all that stuff like it's, it's how you design it it's the experience mm-hmm. and all that so so I created this sort of uh compensation system where everybody and when I brought somebody on I sort of trained them on selling like not hard selling but just basic selling like what do we do what do we who do we serve how to notice an opportunity how do you you know what is it that we do differently and better than the competition and for sure we targeted only women so we targeted the wife of the house which was unusual as well and so all the girls that worked there basically got a commission so it didn't matter if you did nothing but build face frames all day. It didn't matter if you did nothing but unload the plywood every day. It didn't matter if you drove the forklift in the shop or you worked in the spray booth or, you know, you went out and bought our sandwiches. It didn't matter if you worked at that shop you and you found a client, you got a 15% commission, period. So every single person there felt like basically they were part of the company and, and they were, right? And mm-hmm. so just in their daily life, everywhere they were at. So we did things like that. Um, and anybody could just move up and and come up with new cool things and invent new, new kinds of doors. And we did stuff with stained glass. I mean, we just did basically whatever we wanted. It was awesome. <laughs> like <laughs> we just did all kinds of cool stuff. Like we just did whatever we wanted. So, yeah. So why leave that? <laughs> well, so I did that for a long time, and then. Um, roughly 10 years ago now because I keep thinking about COVID because we lost like a whole right. year there <laughs> um, somewhere between eight and 10 years ago I can't remember exactly I knew that I wanted to <clears throat> I knew roughly I wanted to retire around 50 um, I didn't want to do what I see a lot of people do which is kind of just like work and drive themselves into the ground right um, it's a very fast pace it's a lot of physical labor mm-hmm um, you know, we were installing, you know, every single week for years, working almost seven days a week for a long time. Um, and so I knew I, I knew I wasn't going to be able to maintain that pace, like literally forever. Mm-hmm. And um, I wanted to at that point, like the Internet had grown a lot. We still didn't have Facebook or Instagram, 
but I mean, we had it like on tiny, yeah. tiny amounts, yeah. right? Um, but I could see the direction and I knew that I wanted to make a bigger impact in the industry for women. And so I came up with this idea to create a carpentry school for women. So in the background, I was sort of doing that. So in the weekends, we started teaching power tools, power tools to women and carpentry, a little bit of furniture building. And um, so that just took off. And we really were expecting, <laughs> I mean, I was kind of expecting to just do like once a month, right? Yeah. Like, oh, this will be a fun way to like teach other women in our community or like all of our clients asked for like, I want to do crown molding. I want to do baseboard. And so originally it was just like our clients, like the women that mm -hmm. we put kitchens in for, right? And they wanted to do something in their office or do something in their kid's room. And, you know, I was kind of tired of, for my rates to put in baseboard in a baby's room, like it was ridiculous, right? right? I'm like, I just, I have no interest in that. And I'm just like taking advantage of you. Like you're right. going to pay so much money for just baseboard, right? And for like $50 worth of baseboard. So it kind of just took off and we ended up um, having to hire six more women and train women just to handle the classes and the weekends. And we even kind of rolled over to where we would only work like Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and sometimes teach Friday. I mean, it just was like, we, it kind of just became like a monster, honestly. Mm -hmm. And this was pre the DIY movement, right? It was kind of where it was before it is like right now where it's like mm -hmm. everywhere. Um, Cause there was no Instagram. So you still right. didn't know what was going on. Right. And um, so as part of that process, it occurred to me that maybe I should be doing something even bigger than that because that was still just Northern California, right? People mm -hmm. would come drive a couple of hours to come and see us. So that's when I got the idea to transfer my stuff to the online world and maybe think about, well, could I package these classes, do this in an online forum and how would I do that? And so that, that took quite a few years of <clears throat> me learning a whole new set of skills. And um, in that sort of in between that messy process, right? Because I didn't quite know where it was going. Mm -hmm. um, I came up with the idea to do the podcast as maybe a way of sharing stories of other women. And then it sort of morphed into, um, for a while I wanted to do a movie. I could never get the movie thing to take go, get off the ground. Um, it just, it, I was just sort of playing with a lot of things. And so I, I realized that originally I wanted to be able to do them all at the same time. <laughs> because I really loved my shop. I really right. loved my shop. And I'd worked really hard to get it. It was like the perfect space, the perfect, like everything was perfect, right? But I just realized I wasn't gonna, I was gonna have to give up something to get to this next level, right? And that's mm -hmm. just kind of how it always is. You gotta let go of one boat to reach the next boat. And um, so I finally um, just tried for about three years to do, run the shop, have start the podcast, be doing the classes, kind of try to figure out how to do that. And it just got to a point where, you know, the girls, all of us, um, and sorry, I call all women girls just That's, as an affectionate term for me. I, yeah, I got it. Yeah, you're good. <laughs> Some people hate that word, but like, I just call you a girl because yeah, I yeah. like you. Yeah. Um, and so I got to a point where I was like, okay, I'm just going to have to make put my big girl pants on and make this decision. Like, mm -hmm. I'm going to have to give up something. I'm either going to just keep the shop and not be able to do all these things because you, you know you can't be in front of a computer yeah. you just can't do yeah. anything at the shop it's so I finally came to that very hard conclusion and so then it took about two or three years to actually shut it down so it took and there's like lots of gradients in between we started reducing the classes and the workshop we 
we, you know, sold a bunch of equipment. We stopped doing specialty stuff. We stopped doing, we did a lot of vanities, entertainment centers and, you know, mm -hmm. kind of custom home offices. We stopped doing all that. We only did a certain kind of core kind of kitchen that was like the simplest, easiest bread and butter for us. We stopped doing large scale. Um, you know, we stopped working for builders because we used to do, you know, huge mm -hmm. whole housing developments. We stopped doing that. We stopped working for interior designers and luxury homes, right? We just sort of, we just kept whittling it down. And then we found jobs for all the women, right? We were down to, then there was like a year where I was thinking, well, I'll just sell the business, right? That was yeah. a catastrophe. It was just, no one could really step in and do what I was doing. And it, it just, you know, so yeah, I, I was going to, I was going to ask that if there had been any interest from like the women who there, worked at the shop to yeah, even like kind of carry no, it forward. That, that was what I was really hoping was going to happen, but it just, you know, they didn't have the business background like I did, you know, um, many of them had kids like the time requirements. Um, you know, I didn't have little kids, um, you know, it, it would have taken, it just needed like someone like me to basically step in and keep all those plates in the air. Mm -hmm. And um, I just, yeah, I mean, we did try with, with yeah. two of the ladies really, really hard to make it work. And it just would have been so hard on them. Like they just wouldn't, they wouldn't have been able to really do it. You know, mm -hmm. it would have been like a noose around their neck. Right. And so we just, um, so we split some of the profits. I gave some of them, um, like basically starter money, you know, I'm kind of like a partner, but I'm not, cause I'm not mm -hmm. taking any money. I just basically helped them set up their own shops, gave them some of the equipment, um, gave them some of the, you know, the clients and stuff. Mm -hmm. And, uh, one of the girls is still working. She kept the shop. And so that's been, you know, a couple of years. Uh, one of the other girl was just like, wow, this is just so, this is just so hard to do. <laughs> and, and she had kids, she had little mm -hmm. kids. And so it's, if I couldn't have done it, if I'd had little kids, well, it's, it just, you need a really strong support system. Her husband right. wasn't super into it. And like, yeah. Yeah. Yes. So, so then I just ended up being the last person there. And so then for about, about a year, almost a year, I worked there just by myself and it was back to like, it was back to the beginning, <laughs> back to the beginning. And, uh, and then the last day was when I had to not renew my lease. That was the, oh man, I cried so hard. I, it took about uh, I think the whole first year after I actually shut down the door, I just, that whole year was like, oh man, I was, I grieved so hard for that. It's been, so now it's been two years. Mm -hmm. So the first year was really tough because I just love that shop like a person. So yeah, yeah, I yeah. get it. I get it. Um, I still miss her. <laughs> yeah. I think, I think that's why I hold like a death grip on like my oh. cre creative business, you know? Um, yeah. It's like, uh, currently it makes, I break even. That's about where I'm at with my expenses. Um, though granted, I don't put a, a lot of time and effort behind it like I used yeah. to. But still, it's like, whew, if I let that go, like, I think I would lose a part of me. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. Uh, it, it literally, yeah, it, it still feels like that. I mean, I still... Yeah. I have a little, you know, I'm back to kind of like how I first started when I didn't have a shop, right? And I was growing and I, so I have a shop at my house, right? And um, it's literally like how I first got started. I built my first kitchen in my garage at my house before I had a shop, before I hired mm -hmm. anybody, before any of that. And you can do a lot of stuff in your, at your, at your garage shop, right? right? So it's kind of funny. Even my husband was like, 
oh, this is literally like deja vu. This is like when you started. <laughs> but you're older. So I'm like, but it's still, it still gives me the same sense. It's not as fun as driving to my shop and mm-hmm. opening the doors and like, oh, it's just a beautiful thing. I hope yeah. every woman gets to experience something like that. Yeah. So. I just, I want to touch on something about like when you like were starting the school, I think like, obviously it sounds like you didn't really have to, to sell it because you're working with this crew of women who are making, which just like the existence of you sells it because women are like, they're doing it. I can do it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. No, it it literally was like, it spread like a freaking wildfire. Like we did our first uh, it started with a course I still have, how to use a cordless drill, right? And uh, it started with that. And then I did the chop saw and they were all just scared to death of the chop saw, just the sound of it. And by the end of that weekend, I think I sold it for like $99 for two days, which is ridiculous, right? That's way too cheap. But um, I didn't know, you know, I wasn't sure. Mm-hmm. And so they were there for two full days and they, we couldn't get them out of the shop. I mean, I'm not kidding. It was like <laughs> Sunday night. It was summertime. And so it's super sunny here. Right. So it's like right. sunny till like nine o'clock at night or something. Yes. I don't know. Yep. And so it's like, you know, I'm exhausted. I'm just, I've been talking and I'm an introvert. So yep. like you can't tell cause I like you and I'm talking about this subject, but generally I'm not talking. And I'd been talking like straight for two days with like 20 excited women. Right. And Oh my God. And so I was just absolutely wiped out on mm-hmm. Sunday and it was like four o'clock. I'm like, okay, let's go. Let's wrap it up. Everybody's going home. You must be tired. And they just, I couldn't get them out of the shop and they're, then they're talking in the parking lot, right? right. I can hear them. They're outside <laughs> in the parking lot and they're all just talking about this. I mean, they're just like, they're just like floating on cloud nine. Mm-hmm. They were so fucking excited. I cannot tell you. And so I was just like, wow, I, I have something here. I have mm-hmm. something here. And so then, of course, they told all their friends, neighbors, sisters, everybody. Uh, and and we had, you know, twice as many signups and twice as many signups and twice as many signups. I mean, it just kept blossoming. And um, I think about, like, what would have happened if I'd had Instagram? <laughs> because, uh, yeah, it would have been nuts. But we did. I mean, I kind of lost track, but I know we're over. I know we're around 8,000 women we did. Wow. And that's just all, no, that's not a nonprofit, just privately funded. I mean, I just did, we just bought the tools and paid, you know, paid these, the girls to come in who love doing it because it's women teaching other women. So they listen, they pay attention, they do what you ask them to do. So it's like fun teaching, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, We did have about a year where we did co-ed and then we just stopped that. We just (laughs) take it. Sorry, men. We love men. Hey, I love my husband. I love my brother-in-law. Like we're not anti-men, but they don't listen. And, you know, they're coming to a beginner's level class and then they act like they know what they're doing, mm-hmm. but it's like, well, then why are you here? Cause mm-hmm. you're taking up time for the other women who right. have said they're beginners. That's why they're here. Right. <laughs> so yeah, after the, after probably like the 20th time that we tell them to, you know, not touch the chop saw, not use the chop saw until we teach you how to do it. And we're going to go through this process. Mm-hmm. And then the guy just walks over there and just starts cutting wood by himself and messes it up and scares himself. And we're just like, okay, yeah, yeah. they just don't listen. So, <laughs> so we just stopped. 
offering it to men. Yes. <laughs> so yeah. Um, there's plenty of places for guys to go. Like they've had yes, they've had their yeah. their shot, right? They got their shot. <laughs> they got uh, their shot. Today's episode is brought to you by ToolMomStore.com. ToolMom and company is for all ages, genders. They have what you need for your one-stop tool-related merchandise of gifts and clothing. Uh, the products are fun, fashionable, one-of-a-kind. In fact, I have two of the mugs. Uh, one has a circular saw with flames coming off of it. It says, Go Girl. Another one has the definition of a tool chick. Both of them are super awesome, and I have coffee out of them almost every morning. So check out toolmomstore.com or find them on Instagram at toolmombonnie. You can receive an extra 20% off at checkout by using the code MAKERMOM. So let's talk briefly about podcast, your podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, how, how frequently are you doing your episodes and like what kind of women you know, do you generally try to have on your podcast? Yeah, so I'd say it's it's roughly, you know, two a month, right? You, roughly one a week, one-ish a week, something like that. Um, kind of depends if I'm doing stuff in the background. Sometimes I'm helping some of the women. Uh, I, you know, I get a lot of calls for women that call and, or DM and, and want help with maybe they're trying to move up in their career or they're sort of stuck at their job and they have a guy that's being asked to them and they don't know how mm-hmm. to work around that or move up or transfer to a different job or um, someone want to start their own businesses. Some women. So I, I tend to do a lot of that kind of in the background privately. Mm-hmm. So I, I, some weeks, you know, like sometimes a week is heavy where I'm sort of helping women with something that's going on on their job site or mm-hmm. in their woodworking business. And, and then I have, you know, episodes that come out um, generally around, I mean, I'm trying to sort of show a broad range of women in the trades. Mm-hmm. So, you know, construction, skilled trades, woodworkers. Um, I, I'm, I'm, there's a lot of people that already do sort of hobbyist and crafty stuff. Um, and that's great, right? There's lots of people doing that. And, and I am not that I haven't had that on the mm-hmm. show, but I, I really sort of try to push the envelope of showing what's possible for as a career, right? Mm-hmm. Is sort of what I'm going okay. for. Um, but I mean, I love them all. I, I mm-hmm. love anything to do with wood, but it doesn't even have to be wood, metal, glass. <laughs> like I, I love all that stuff. Like if I had mm-hmm. come back 30 times, I'd work in 30 different things in the trades, right? Mm-hmm. I do glass blowing. I do like, I love all of that stuff. So, um, so the short answer is I'm sort of pick women that I think are going to illustrate something that's not being seen in the industry. Mm-hmm. So I'm definitely all about inclusivity diversity. Um, I try really hard to show that on the show, like different kinds of women and different kinds of stages of life or Mm -hmm. different kinds of, you know, some women have money, some women don't have money. Some women have a lot of education. Some women don't. Some women are in pretty high level positions. Some women are just starting. Like I kind of try to show Mm -hmm. a range. I don't know if that comes across, but that's what I'm trying to do. Um, And then just 
I, I also really love to hear from women who don't get heard from. That's really the kind of gold mine I'm looking for. It's like someone that I kind of discover that no one else really knows about that doesn't have a huge Instagram following. That's not an influencer. That's, you know, I'm kind of, I kind of, those are sort of my sweet spot. I love mm-hmm. highlighting someone that maybe gets passed over mm-hmm. and um, yeah. So I'm open to anybody. I love sharing all those stories. And then the other angle that um, we're going to pursue more of, which um, I have some interviews, I just haven't released them yet, is I, I really um, like talking about the financial side more because I don't mm-hmm. think it gets talked about enough. And a lot of women don't make as much money as they could make in the trades. And so I, I kind of, because I've seen a lot of the, I've seen both sides of the coin. I've been in mm-hmm. the trades. I've been as a union carpenter, I've been as a non-union carpenter, I've built my own business privately. Um, I kind of know the range of money that people can make, right? And so I'd like to have more conversations, more, more open conversations around what women actually make in the trades. So that'll be some of the, some of the angles of the interviews coming up will be mm-hmm. how much money you actually can make. Mm-hmm. Uh, because I think a lot of people don't realize how much money a lot of women make in the trades and, and just how financially independent you can be, which is a really big selling point for me that I don't think it's, it doesn't really get talked about very much. And that's the thing I really think needs to change in the conversation overall. Yeah. Um, yeah, which is different than like woodworkers, right? Which is maybe a small business and you're just sort of supporting yourself. Like it's not, Mm -hmm. um, but there's, I just wish the industry, I wish, I wish more people understood, more women understood just how financially independent they could be working in the construction trades, how much actual yeah. opportunity there is. Yeah, I've got um, in, an interview that's going to uh, be released this, this month um, around a woman who teaches other women to weld and get into mm-hmm. industry that way and primarily to build uh, uh, independence, uh, wealth yeah. independence. Um, so yeah, there's a yeah. lot of, I think there's definitely a need for more of that like education and programming right. as well. Yeah, and there's a lot of, you know, for me, like, I mean, we grew up poor, like poor mm-hmm. white trash, whatever you want to call it. You know, we didn't have a ton of money but I still had more opportunities than other people did, right? And, and I kind of created opportunities for myself that then gave me more chances later. Right. Mm-hmm. But a lot of people don't know how to do that. And, and a lot of people don't even have the, like the rubbing sticks to rub together right. to, <laughs> get to that point. And I just, I just really feel like there's so many women that don't even know what they could do if they just got into this world, mm-hmm. they could completely take revolutionize their little neighborhoods, their little families. Right. And they just mm-hmm. don't know they just don't know how viable it is. So that's sort mm-hmm. of the thing I'd like to get across is just maybe some of the women who are in really poor areas, how transformative it would be to have a career in these in the trades. Mm-hmm. So I think it's not going out on a limb to say like, you're an ambitious as hell person. So <laughs> <laughs> That was my, I wasn't sure what direction you were going with that. No, that's not going out on a limb. 
So what do you around this topic? Yeah, yeah. What do you see as like like, female empowerment, women empowerment, financial independence (laughs) for women? Yes, I am. I'm very ambitious when it comes to that. Yeah, that's my thing. (laughs) So how do you see? I mean, you know, you talked about like the grief of giving up your shop and stuff to go after this next kind of like the next big thing. What Mm -hmm. like if you could summarize what is that next big thing well I mean I'm I'm kind of still noodling that I'm I'm thinking through what that could be but um I wouldn't put it past me to get into the political arena to maybe even not in a public way but just Mm -hmm. um, create legislation or something that really I think the construction industry has a marketing problem Mm -hmm. and as a person that does marketing they have a marketing messaging problem. Their message is not actually getting across to the people that really need to hear it. So that's generally the parents and the parents want to know that their girls are going to be financially independent. Mm -hmm. And that message has not gotten across. Right. So, um, so I'm, I'm playing with some things around that. I'm playing with maybe a Netflix series. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm playing with some different, I don't know, things that I need to learn, things that I need to grow into to be bigger um, or, to make the message have a bigger impact. Right. Mm -hmm. So I'm kind of looking for that. Not sure myself, like the next little learning phase for myself. Mm -hmm. Um, Obviously the podcast, you know, still growing that. um, And, um, you know, still working in the background with helping women add to their businesses they have or create courses. Like I have online courses to make more passive income. Like I still feel like that's a big, area that I can help with because when you have more money you have more choices and you can do more things and help other women right so so those are kind of the the direction excellent I loved all those words you just said (laughs) (laughs) yeah and I I actually have a um I have a move a a documentary movie slash podcast I'm not exactly sure what form it's going to take but I do want to um working with a producer, a a friend of mine who um, were sort of jointly crafting this story around a a tragic story that actually happened to a female carpenter here that got killed on a job site. Mm -hmm. And so I'm, I know that sounds like a downer, but um, that's one way of sort of getting the message out about, um, about harassment and things that can happen on a job site and, and, and bring that to light. So that's sort of like another angle. So I'm just looking at ways of producing and publishing these stories and getting them in front of the people that actually help the girls make the choice whether mm-hmm. to enter the trades or not, and at least just show it to the girls that are interested, right? It's not for everybody, but mm-hmm. there's a heck of a lot of people that are pouring into the industry right now, you know, women-wise. So um, I just want to be part of that next revolution, that next wave to get it from, yeah. you know, 3% to like 40%. That's my goal. And and I on think job it's site. on job site, not in the <laughs> yes. office. Yes. Like doing the thing. Yep. So. And you know what? I, I think it's coming. Like there are so many yeah. of I'm gonna say us women in the sphere of like trying to like stir the pot and push yeah. women forward. <laughs> like mm-hmm. so many of us that I've just met, you know, through through my podcast, like, yeah, uh, doing some amazing things. And it's like, I just feel like 
that tipping point is coming. Like it's coming. Yeah, no, I, I absolutely do. I mean, especially with, you know, Instagram three years ago, <clears throat> you know, that, that whole thing really is a very recent thing. Mm-hmm. And so um, that's just like adding gasoline onto the fire that was kind of already there. It's been stoked mm-hmm. for a long time. Right. Mm-hmm. And there was people doing stuff long before I even got the idea 10 years right. ago. Right. There was women in the background longer than I was doing it. So there's a whole bunch of us that are like building this wave that's yep. going to crest. And I just want to make sure that it's not just hobbyists and craft stuff, that it's, that it's um, actual women on job sites mm-hmm. designing and engineering the building and swinging the hammer and in charge of the whole thing. But doing the, like, that's, that's yeah. sort of my angle is the actual physical work that's getting done. Mm-hmm. I want, I want to make sure that that still is seen as a really viable exciting fun career for people to have for women well to have. you know I mean it's it's absolutely true both in in trade and in like manufacturing there is a huge oh. shortage of like yeah. workers and so it's like we're yeah. gonna have to have women <laughs> or what yeah they're half the population <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah I'm I'm excited about like sort of what's to come and that's not even that's just like traditional construction that's not right. even there's so many really sophisticated I mean, electronics and I mean, there's just incredible stuff in manufacturing and mm-hmm. robots and, you know, and those all sort of, sort of part of STEM, right? Right. That's like a whole nother thing that I'm not even talking about. Like right. there's, there should be so many women in that. I'm just talking about like actually on the job sites. Yep. Um, you know, which, so. which to me overlaps with like my day job, I'm going into like manufacturers who are, you know, mm-hmm machining parts right and if it's three percent women I would be shocked um and it's you know especially like running cnc's like oh I mean it it doesn't have to be a man like that machine doesn't know what gender parts you have (laughs) right yeah I'm really hoping that well sort of one of my messages that I'm sort of trying to noodle with and figure out is I, I really want women to, or I, what I'm really trying to get is that women, I think, bring a different, a unique perspective to job sites. Mm-hmm. And they're really, instead of being a hindrance, they're really like a, a very, like a, they give you a strong competitive advantage. I've seen this happen over and over and over again, that when a company hires women on a job site, like, and they're really allowed to blend in and kind of bring their thing to the job, like it really helps the job site. It, it, they're better with clients. They, they help with like relations. So people aren't yeah. fighting as much. Like there's so many things that sort of just happen innately by a woman being there who's pulling her own weight and doing her thing. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm hoping to like help people see that she's actually a benefit to the job site. Mm-hmm. So you want to have that on your job site, not the opposite. Like, Oh God, we have another girl here. Like, Oh, right. you know, that, that whole mentality is what I'm trying to. And I, I, I know employers that get it and they actually see it as, oh, wow, that's like our, one of our strongest resources we have, you know, having mm-hmm. Sarah here and Teresa here. Um, there's a, a company I can think of off the top of my head, Bake, uh, Bake Roofing, Baker Roofing. They have made it, um, they're on Instagram. They've made, I think they're out of Raleigh, North Carolina, but they've basically, from a selling standpoint and a marketing standpoint, they're like, oh my God, like we have way more business having women here. And so they've actually go out of their way to have women on their job sites because it, it actually is better for their company 
right? It's the opposite of what most people think. And again, those women are still building the roofs right, and doing right. the work, right? Like they have to do their job. But that's what I'm hoping at some point people will start to see in the in the industry that it's not just, oh, we have to have this percentage of girls right. on the job site to do, because of this law or whatever. They're like, no, no, we want to have those women here because we make more money. We do this, we do that, right? Yep. So that's sort of one of the angles I'm playing with. Because I've seen it, I've seen it in real life, like actually yeah. happen. Yeah. So. Well, we're like at the end of our time together, though I do yes. feel like we could talk like for a lot more. <laughs> but- <laughs> I know. I, I can be pretty chatty when I'm when I like a subject matter. Yeah, s- same here. But I want to give you a chance to let people know how they can uh, find you and follow along with all the gazillion things that you're that you're going after. Yeah. <laughs> yeah so they can. Um, the easiest way is to just go to the, you know, Remodel Your Life podcast um, on Instagram and DM me. So it's spelled all the way out, Remodel Your Life podcast. And they can DM me and they can always um, give me a call. Like I'm, I'm around for women if they need help on a job site or they want someone to talk to or they need to brainstorm or, um, you know, they want to they want to leave a job site and go to the next job site. Like, how do you do that? So, um, yeah, they can call 707-592-7169. Awesome. And I love, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm retired. I'm here to serve. I'm here to help these women (laughs) do better in whatever they're trying to do. So, I mean, that's, you know, take advantage of it. Yeah. Thanks Camille for chatting with me today. Awesome. Thank you so much. All right. So again, that was Camille and I will include the links on how you can follow along with her and get in touch with her at the, uh, in the podcast notes for today's episode. So you can find that in the description on your podcast app, or if you're watching this on YouTube, check the description down below there as well. If you enjoyed today's episode, please make sure that you are subscribed and tell a friend about the podcast and how much you're enjoying it. And maybe even what are, uh, who are a few of your favorite makers that you've gotten to know uh, from listening to the podcast. A reminder because it's coming up this Saturday. So Saturday the 15th, there will be a virtual hangout for anybody who is a patron over on Patreon. So uh, it will be at 9.30 a.m. Central Standard Time, 10.30 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. If you are a patron, I'll be sending out that link for you to hop on the Zoom so we can have a virtual hangout on a weekend. So hopefully all of you can participate and look forward to seeing you all there and hanging out. If you're not yet a patron and you want to become one, especially so you can hop out and hang out with all those people I mentioned at the start of the podcast, then I have recently made it really super easy for you. Follow along with the podcast over on Instagram at Wonder Women Pod and women is with an E-N, not an A-N, Wonder Women Pod. Link in the bio and that very top button allows you to become a patron and then you'll have access to this virtual hangout and, and all the ones coming up in the future and anything else that I throw out there. Occasionally I'll do a live interview and you'll get access to hop on the Zoom when those interviews are happening. So If this sounds like something you want to partake in, if you want to hang out with Kevin and Christy and Christina and Jeremy and Sammy and Sven and Rachel and Bonnie and Laura and Mary Lou, Amy, Dan Kelly, Brandy, Kathy, Ellen, or Ethan, assuming they'll all be there at the hangout, then you want to make sure that you're a patron to make that 
happen. All right. When I am not interviewing fabulous makers and making podcast episodes, you can find me designing and making furniture and other home decor at freemanfurnishings.com and at Freeman Furnishings pretty much across all of social media. So Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, YouTube, LinkedIn, Pinterest, all of it, Freeman Furnishings. I'm active daily though on Instagram and TikTok. So if you want to see what crazy new project I am up to or my latest dance moves in the shop, then uh, check out Instagram and TikTok. Let me know you found me through the podcast. I love hearing that. It's Wednesday. I hope you're all having a fantastic week so far. I hope you've had time to get out into the shop and make something. And I will see you all on Friday with a brand new episode. Oh